Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is their episode with Ted Barker. We got talking some kind of some what ifs about fanatics. He's certainly an industry veteran with uh, key roles at uh, several of the card companies, as well as, as Beckett Media and uh, kind of a precursor of fanatics as well. So we talked about fanatics, uh, some what ifs. But thanks, sponsors Tops Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So thanks, Ted. Thanks, listeners. Here is our discussion. I'm interested in, in what you think about the whole dynamic now with Fanatics moving in, acquiring tops. Everybody says, I knew they were going to do that. Of course, there was speculation they were going to buy tops, but there's also speculation they're going to buy Panini and Upper Deck. And are they done? But I have a particular question in the, the dynamic because one of the things that Michael Rubin has said on several occasions, if you listen to him in his interviews, he seems to be bullish on dealers, the local card shop, most of the time. They also have opportunity. They have lid stores, nearly 1,200 lids locations around the country. They could turn all of those at least partially into card shops if they wanted to. Now, they're not in maybe all the, the perfect areas, but they have a way that they can have their own branded card shops to compete if they wanted to. But what he's pretty firm on is that he does not like the distribution model of the trading card category. So he's not keen on distributors. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there if they purchase a distributor if they get rid of distributors, if they do their own, how they're going to do it. I think the hobby distributors are at more peril than the retail distributors. With uh, MJ Holdings and XL, they're dealing with a lot more rooftops, and they need a lot more teams to put their cards in products than than the the uh, local card shops. But when he talks about grading, and he has said many times, we want to be part of the entire process, and he talks about a grading company. I know for our business, we have in our portfolio businesses with our parent company, there's a distributor in the trading card industry in Southern Hobby. There's a manufacturer of supplies in Arcane Tenman. There is Beckett, but we have firewalls up so that we all act independently and they are strong firewalls. But grading is supposed to be such a, a free and standard on its own kind of process. And if you're the guy doing the grading, what does that do to the level of acceptance of a collector of is that 10 really a 10 or is it a 10 because it's branded by me and I'm selling you that card and the grading service? What are your thoughts on that? First, I like your distinction between the uh, distribution side. Retail is different, but I think if I were a you know hobby distributor or a retail distributor, I would be fanatics proofing my business. Mm -hmm. You can't get disintermediated if you're adding value. If you're adding value, then Fanatics is going to see, as you pointed out in the retail side, if they wanted to eliminate those middle people, they'd still have to do what they do. They'd still have to get that product to those uh, storefronts and stock the shelves. And so I think they're safer. Now, if you're a hobby distributor and all you're doing is getting product and sticking to warehouse and then differentially pricing it according to market prices, again, Perversely, fanatics may want to distance themselves from that. I won't call it manipulation, but the price sensitivities of being a distributor. I I sympathize with them. You can't sell out all, then you don't have any more. And then if you've got to go back to the secondary market. So that would be a way of fanatics insulating themselves from that criticism. On the other hand, I think they want to participate in the secondary market and get another piece of the pie. Okay. And then lastly, to me, if fanatics is smart, they are smart. 
I think grading is the last thing they're going to consider because the most important aspect of grading is it's third party authentication and grading and the brand of the third party and their independence, their transparency, their integrity. It's the reason why we got into it because I thought we could do this with integrity. Our brand is strong. And we were pricing cards anyway when we were doing price guides. So when you're pricing the cards, wait a minute, you're basically anytime you price a card, it's because it's in near mint or whatever the grade was we were establishing. So I think BGS needs to continue to maintain its uh, excellence and its market niche, which now there's enough data out there to see that uh, BGS is strong number two, but they're not number one. That doesn't mean they we couldn't be market leaders in many respects. And I think we are. So I don't think fanatics should buy BGS. I don't think it's for sale, but if Fanatics were to buy BGS, you lose some of that third-party aspect. And uh, most of the card companies now have improved their quality control. That They're not having trouble kicking out high-quality cards. But if it's not a third-party, Ted, it could be revenue negative to Fanatics to have their own grading. When I was selling um, for UDA and Upper Deck on the Shop at Home network, Shop at Home, they they had a, such an interesting business because they went live overnight as you Don West screaming in, into the camera all night long. They were live between midnight and 6 a.m. They would do two or three live hours and then they would rerun those hours. And that same show might run 10 or 12 times, but their buyers were up all night. But the grading services that they would use on, on a lot of those products were like like Bob's grading service. And well, Bob no, was, it's uh, BCCG on some of them. That's true. But there were so many, unknown, it's a Jim Mint pristine world-class upper tier 10. Yeah. That's their great. Who is it? It's Bob's grading and he's three blocks down in a garage and he also works for it. So that's the wildest example I've heard. But keeping the integrity of the grade and keeping that purely separate in a third party, I think that's a hard thing to get rid of and make the grades worth anything. In fact, it destroys it. So I just think it's real interesting. They've got so much to learn because they've never created a single trading card launch of any kind. I've never thought about this until just now, but this is a scary thought, but I, I don't think it's in Fanatic's best interest. I think it's revenue negative for them to take on grading because I think it would impact the perception of who they are. Mm-hmm. So grading and authentication are out, but that doesn't mean Fanatic's couldn't get into the encapsulation business. That's true. Which is essentially authentication, but not grading. If yeah. This is an authentic Fanatics card. It's hermetically sealed. It's described. And we're not going to say it's a 10, 9.5, 9, 8.58. It just is what it is. It's a brand new card, like the untouched or the. Yeah. Everybody's the, done. Untouched. There's several that have done those. Uncirculated. Yeah. Yeah. So they could do that. But once you get into the black 10s, the 10s, the 9.5s, the 9s, that game, that needs to be third party. I agree with you, and I agree that's way down the line for them to consider. I think the first thing they have to consider, and I think the reason that they are so happy to get the tops deal done now, one, I think they got it for a really good price, but two, the, the product development cycle is anywhere between seven or eight months on average of a particular product. What you're going to see this year in tops products, hoping there's no work stoppage and baseball is on time and everything is working, they're going to get to see where now it's our company, but the products have already been developed. The the distribution plan is already out there. The allocations have already been, they're actually able to just tiptoe into the shallow end of the pool for right now and see how it works. And it's ours for a period of time as they decide how we can have our greatest impact with these new licenses we have and our new acquisition. 
Well, Fanatics, uh, excellent decision, I think, to buy them. I think the price was good for them. But don't feel sorry for Tops. If oh, this, I don't. If this was 2019 and Tops, somebody said, hey, we're going to give you $500 million for Tops, they may have sold the whole company for $500 million, much less just the, the sports card aspects that a couple of years ago, Tops wasn't even worth that much. Absolutely so, right. Michael Eisner paid a lot less anyway. So, sure. So they're doing okay, yeah. but Fanatics got the better, has the potential to really take it to the next level. And like, so, I think they're going to have their hands full. But if I were a distributor, I'd make sure I had my act together and make sure that I have the relationship business and uh, that you're maintaining those relationships. If it's transactional in a sales thing, then you're you're going to be out because Fanatics has the warehouses already, and they're used to dealing with bulky items. The LCS is safe because if card product comes into a lids, they're going to be a hundred SKUs. It's going to be a hundred different current boxes all mm-hmm. put out by Fanatics. Okay, you, I don't think you're going to be able to buy Ronald Acuna single or, yeah. or Patrick Mahomes. You know, I, I agree, great, but you could buy the latest Fanatics box that comes out, which would now be tops, I suppose. And yeah, that's easy I, to sell, easy to stock, and that's the stuff. But these, the 10 million SKUs that ComC has and Rob Barris has and Beckett Marketplace has, I, I think if Fanatics is wise, they're going to they're going to leave that to the LCS, and that part is necessary. Yeah, and I believe they will. You're talking about don't feel bad for Michael Eisner, and I don't. But I've been through enough of these purchases that we've talked about and acquisitions that who you're left to worry about are the friends that you have inside those businesses, and that they're. Apparently, 350 employees around the world for tops, and we're not getting rid of any of them. That's never ever. That's not the true. Case. That's not. Tr- that means we're not getting rid of any of them on day one or yeah. day 30. Let's say, but that's right. Three months or six months, a year especially, there'll be attrition. And absolutely, they could call it lots of different things. But you've been through that. I've been through that. But again, the best thing you can do if you love this industry, make sure you're adding value. Make yourself sure. as close to indispensable as you can. And then in your case, you're going to land on your feet. Because if the company gets shut down or bought or your position is eliminated, somebody else is going to say, hey, Ted's available now or the person that tops. But if you're not adding value and you don't have visibility in the industry, then they're not going to be those 350 same people no, there no. next Christmas. No, exactly. And I'm interested to see if they... And they uh, know it too. Yeah, they should it's, know it. It's corporate speak. Yeah. They, everybody yeah. knows it, but you know it firsthand. I know it firsthand. It's One of the great things that Anne did at Donruss in her waning days was when she literally flew over to Panini and talked to Mr. and said, I know that I know your plan. I've read your plan. You're going to go to Manhattan. You're going to build this building. You're going to find employees. I've got all of that for you right here in Dallas. We've got A to Z soup to nuts available for you in a great place. I'm interested to see if the family that works now in that high rise in in uh, Lower Manhattan is still there, or if they're going to be in Florida. Or- well, I, I said that in one of my podcasts. And that's the first thing you do. We all 350 people have jobs. However, we're moving to Florida. <laughs> yep, that's what they did to us at Athletic Supply. That's, that's an obvious way to weed out the problem in the industry. Is that the attrition? You don't want your best people to leave. There's some people just more valuable than others, and it's mm-hmm. not always incorporated in the number of their compensation. There's just some people that are key. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to try to retain them. And I just hope Fanatics realizes that of the 350, there's a whole bunch of them at Tops. They're that smart guys. Knowledge that need to be there, and they shouldn't make it difficult for them to moving. Although Florida is not a bad deal, but some people just love New York and not going to yep. move there. 
you said it before, fanatics is loaded with smart people. And I think they'll make a lot of good decisions. I, th- I think they're facing things they don't even know exist yet that problems and challenges that they're going to have to deal with. But I think they're going to make a lot of good decisions. And I'm still bullish on the I'm industry. Too. I'm too. Well, thanks, Ted Barker. Thanks for spending time with me. I'm going to try to go to the summit too, but I'm going to try to go to the Mint Collective. I don't know if I can do the March date. I was yeah. going to go for the January thing, but... We have a plan for you at the summit in yeah. October. I'll yeah. reveal to you at a later date. Okay. I'm trying to be a little more active in the hobby. still want to be semi-retired, but... I realize my role now is to influence the influencers. Yep. So again, it depends on the audience. And both these audiences, I, I think the investor types don't really want to hear from me. I'm, I'm OG or something. On the other hand, what goes around comes around. Whereas the LCS guys, those are my folks. I, yep. I was one. And we had twice as many of those folk at this one as we did last year. And we have grown that and the excitement level that happens with the influencers joining in now. It's going to be a great session for us in October. The man-